I have I wanted to text you today actually I was thinking about you coming on the show and it made it reminded me that you guys did a predator episode of friendly fire back way back oh we when. did yeah ages and, ago yeah long time ago yeah I I was re-listening to it because I I just felt like I I couldn't remember much about it and at the beginning of the show uh, John Roderick is listing some of the pornos that Sonny Landham starred in in the 70s. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. And what, one of them was called like the Passions of Carol. Yeah. And like in the background, I feel like no one else acknowledged your joke that you made. And I was rolling on the floor when you said it. You were like, Carol, hold my calls. And my dick. Carol, hold my passions. <laughs> <laughs> and he just deadpanned, and my dick. <laughs> and either Ben or John just kept on talking and no one yeah. laughed. And I was like, that was fucking gold. Why? What's going Ooh. on? <laughs> uh, you guys you guys know this as longtime podcasters. Uh, sometimes the comedy be like that. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast where we break down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator, one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And with us today is returning champion guest Adam Pranica. Hello. Hello. Thanks for uh, visiting us on the show again, Adam. Uh, Last we saw, heard from you was... Minute 68 and 69. Nice. Nice. Those are nice minutes. <laughs> they were. <laughs> and so it felt appropriate to bring you back for minute 96. Yeah. Which, which begs the question. Etching. <laughs> is, is, ni- is, can you do a 96? 96 degrees in the shade. Is that a thing? I think. Uh, I think. Look, there's. I think there's a rule, right? The rule probably has a name that I can't think of, but like for, <laughs> like there is a there's a sexual interest for everything, and every sure. number, even. I feel like uh, if, a, you're into, if you're in if you're in a ninety six and you're probably into uh, smashing the back of your head into someone's butt, like uh, <laughs> like it's a warm loaf of bread. Ninety six. <laughs> I mean, you just. Yeah, that that probably feels great on the scalp. You're you're kind of using using each other's butts for pillows in an in oh, yeah. 96, 96, right? Huh. That feels yeah. great. You probably want to do that on your side instead of like <laughs> uh top side bottom side, you know? Like that's a that's a smothering danger. <laughs> if uh if your 9 is face down and the 6 is on top. 96. Yeah. That's not the way. I mean, I guess you could like do a swing situation. Get like relieve some of the weight. That, that's, if you go out like that, that's that's embarrassing. Like the uh, what's it? The auto eroticism, you know? Right. You go out like you go out like uh, Michael Hutchins, right? The the NXS guy. You go out like uh, yeah. like Kung Fu the Legend continues guy. Right. Yeah. You David go, Carradine. You go out. I mean, like we don't laugh about those deaths. Those, those were happy deaths. Ninety-six. Those guys. <laughs> they, those guys went out like we should be so lucky to go out like that. Ninety-six. Yeah. yeah. Instead of on a fucking ventilator or something like. 
How would you rather go? Nine to six. I'll go out, go out prone that way, and instead of <laughs> prone in the hospital. Nine to six. Uh, Urban Dictionary has a definition for ninety-six. Nine to six. Oh, what? As a sexual position. Is it? Does it have to do with the 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 head in the bread? Ninety-six, as, <laughs> as we could call it. It does. Similar to sixty-nine. However, ninety-six involves no actual sexual action. The bottom partner, or the nine, usually the taller partner. I like how that's specified. It's face down on the mattress, while the top partner, or the six, usually the shorter of the two, lays on the top of the nine, resting their feet on the upper back of nine and resting their head on the calves or the heels. Once in position, both partners now drift off into a state of contemplation. Nine to six. Wow. Oh, I like that a lot. (laughs) I wonder if there's like a massage table situation so that the nine could breathe a little easier, like face down. Oh, with like the hole in the mattress? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's That's probably safe. That's... How often have you guys had comp- contemplative sex? Nine to six. I, I don't know if it's ever happened. For me. I, yeah. usually, I, usually, I usually save the contemplation for after when I contemplate all my mistakes. Nine to six. It's that three minutes Contemplate when how quickly it happened. <laughs> so I was going to say, it's uh, for me, it's just a race to the finish. And then... Uh, and then he just that that those three minutes when your your mind clears and everything comes into focus for a moment, yeah. And you have that introspective nightmare, but then luckily you just fall asleep and nine to six, and, right. and you, you you wake up uh, the same. Uh, if you're lucky, you fall asleep on top. Nine to six <laughs> with your head on some bread. Yeah, head yep. on the bread. Yeah, head on the bread. Nine to six. <laughs> Uh, John, we're in minute 96. 96. Oh, man, we are so into minute 96. We're deep into this movie. We're so deep that we're talking about what does the number 96 mean? Well, we just discussed quite a a, a few things, non-sexually and sexually, I guess. 96. Uh, Depends how... (laughs) I don't remember anything non-sexual about the last 20 minutes of our conversation. (laughs) After we introduced ourselves, it was just a sprint, just a a sexual sprint. I'm naked right now. Nine to six. (laughs) I can see it. You You should put a piece of tape over your computer camera. Just the bottom of the camera. I just moved a box uh, to cover my feet from the waist down. <laughs> but did you know 96 is a town in South Carolina? 96. What? I did not know that. Yeah. It, the number or, or the spelled out 96? 96. I, I think it's both. I think you would ah. write it maybe shorthand, 96. Head on bread, or you would <laughs> right out. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 those that live there call it head on bread. Sure. <laughs> Main Street is called Contemplative Avenue. Go loafers! <laughs> oh wow. wow! My my favorite single A football team. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, we got a lot of pop culture from uh, 1996, John. A lot, a lot of good pop culture. Where are what we you starting? Want to start? M- music, games, movies? What, what? Well, maybe we should ask our guest because you have this yeah. list in, in front of you, Adam. Is there 
something that jumps out to you from from this era, this uh, this year, 1996? I mean, it's really hard to beat the name of that South Carolina town. <laughs> what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> you know what? When this episode comes out, you guys should make a big push. Like, get a hold of the... Uh, of the city of 96. 96. Try to do a little tie-in with their tourism board. A little sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan Minnit talked about us. We could be the face of, of the town of 96. 96. There we go. Be on, uh, their, on their sign. I was, a, uh, I was a junior. I'm sure you remember this. John Zabriskie in, in 1996. 96. Right. Mr. Cody's advisory. I was a year younger. That's right. Uh, I remember very little of, <laughs> of that year. <laughs> uh, again, uh, not a not a sandlot memory of childhood for me <laughs> at any at any level. Uh, why don't you tell me what was up with the with the music of '96? That might be the one aspect of that year that I that I do remember enjoying. Oh man, I was so 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 into the Fugees. Uh, yeah. I know I know we have another right big artists there to talk about in a minute but i was so big into the fujis the uh no woman no cry cover the killing me softly the ready or not i had that cd and i'd like listen to it with a buddy in math class and we'd like you know split the headphones how did that work back in 96 i don't remember having yeah. earbuds how did you wow somehow we both listened to my cd player during math class oh yeah we yeah must have used uh like the head strap a car yeah. disc man with a splitter like a y splitter into the oh, headphone jack it didn't, there no, it it didn't have the y splitter it was it was just the one pair of headphones you guys just bend the shit out of your headphones and get we one did. ear in there yeah wow you know 96 was kind of an interesting time period for popular music because like you're you still had like grunge was hanging on a little bit but that that alternative scene was was starting to get played out and there was a lot of really shitty like softer alternative bands. And it was that, it was that moment when we were, the music culture was shifting back towards pop. And by the late nineties, we were going to get the explosion in all those pop bands, you know, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and stuff. Right. And you can kind of see that in some of the songs you listed here, John, you can kind of see uh, things like shifting there, you know, you get California love in there. You got no diggity. Um, Killing Me Softly, Ready or Not. So these were all like kind of hip hop songs that were super popular, kind of filling in that void in between these two eras of music, one sort of drifting away and the other one coming back in. It's sort of a very non-threatening form of rap music too. Like, right. uh, like if, if your vehicle in high school didn't have a couple of like kicker 12s in the back... Yeah. Uh, in order to pound songs like, uh, I don't know, like the Tupac album, I remember being very popular at the mm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this was back like back when like East Coast West Coast rap rivalry was was at its apex, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tupac dies here in September, I think, in '96, and then uh, Notorious B.I.G. is killed in March of '97. So just mm. what is that? Six months apart. Yeah, that's insane to think yeah, that's, about. That's when their biggest albums come out. All Eyes on Me comes out in 96. Uh, Notorious B.I.G., what is it, Life After Death, I think? I 
Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was definitely more of the East Coast fan. Of really wish I could take back the description of non-threatening rap music as we segue into really like rap assassination. Right. <laughs> were you guys car stereo kids uh, when you were teenagers? Did you have the 12-inch kickers in your car? I oh. always coveted uh, my, my friends' systems. Like my friends mm. had the money. For such yeah. things, and I didn't. So uh, I, I always enjoyed rides in their cars, but I, right. I didn't have a system of my own. I turned into kind of a car stereo nerd for a while when I was in high school. I I I worked every day after school. I had a job in this like in this warehouse, and I would save up my money, and I would not spend it on anything practical. I saved it all up to put. A giant stereo system in my pickup truck. That's that's when you work a high school job. That's what you have to do. That's yeah. your obligation, right? I, I I spent it on speakers and uh, ski gear so I yeah. could go up to the mountain in the winter. How <laughs> to uh, do that? Yeah, I had I had a couple big subwoofers in my truck, and um, I remember very distinctly playing that All Eyes on Me album. Yeah. Tupac, God, that was good. Uh, you know, it's uh, working in a in a warehouse makes me think that that's why you're so comfortable surrounded by boxes, right? <laughs> it's his thing, all right. Just Come look on. at you. <laughs> you're right at home. Oh, it's my natural resting state. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what about the movies? Any movies stand out? I think. Uh, I think Friendly Fire probably covered a couple of these. Did you all do Independence Day as like a pork pork chop? We did, yeah, okay. and mm. it was it was reviled by all of us. Oh, yeah. maybe I a little don't... less reviled by uh, by Benjamin R. Harrison, but uh, <laughs> me and me and John really really took it out back and gave it the business. Okay, I will. I, I think I told this story to John. I'll, I'll repeat it quickly, but I have a good Independence Day story where. I went and saw it with a friend the year it came out. So we must've been both 16. And when the movie was over, my friend turned to me and looked me right in the eyes and said, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) You know what? I've never forgotten that. (laughs) I'm, I'm not going to laugh too hard at that guy because the moment Armageddon ended, I turned to a friend and I said, that was the best action movie I've ever seen. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're a little more impressionable when you're a teenager and you really you know, are. And when you're 16 in 1996, the special 96. effects in independence day were pretty awe inspiring to see. Yeah. And so in that regard, it was, it was a fun popcorn summertime movie. Going back to watch it now, it is kind of a pile of crap. Did you guys see the sequel? Oh, the sequel is terrible. I was I didn't even yeah, see I was so that down by the sequel. It was oh, it was that's terrible. Too bad. I haven't seen it. Mm. I mean, worse than the first? Oh, way worse than the first. I think the first I still have a lot of fun when I can watch certain scenes of that movie, but the sequel is just I don't know, bad all around. It's so obvious that they did the thing where they got a lot of foreign funding and so they had to kind of mm. appeal to that audience. <laughs> And it's like, well, this is like a lot of asides that you don't need for a a movie about aliens attacking Earth. Right. Uh, Let's see. What what are some other movies stood out? A couple Arnold movies, Eraser and Jig All The Way came out. (laughs) Uh, I know, Jeff, you love From Dusk Dusk Till Dawn that came out this year. Oh, did I lose you guys? You still there? I'm here. Okay. 
I just remember. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There you bad. go. I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Usually Jeff chimes in whenever I say something like from dusk till dawn. Right. From dusk till dawn is, is I know it's a flawed film, uh, but it is in, it's one of my, probably one of my top five favorite horror movies. Did either of you guys uh, see the Danny Trejo documentary that just came out? No. No. It is fantastic. <laughs> uh, my wife even liked it. Check it out. It's really good. Wow. I'm Speaking of uh, people in From Dusk Till Dawn. I should have saved that for the end. That's my that's my recommendation, right? Ooh. Yeah, we can, can, cut, it, we can cut that around. You can still do your recommend. Sure. All right. Yeah, yeah, why not? Just, I'll just pretend you didn't say anything about Danny the Machete. You don't, you don't, you don't edit this show, <laughs> John. Don't, don't fucking lie to me. I sure edited it a lot less than I used to. I listened to it about one and a half speed. I'm like, yeah, those pauses are just natural. <laughs> so, like me saying, are you guys still there? That's in the show. <laughs> we have a tradition on uh, our show of, of listing off uh, all the uh, sequels that we could find from this year. Mm-hmm. And boy, John, you found uh, some doozies here. It's just like another garbage year for sequels. It I don't really, know. It really is. Uh, we've got The Brady Bunch 2. I did not even know they made a sequel to that. Lawnmower Man 2. Uh, Homeward Bound 2. Hellraiser 4. What do they oh. do after they get home? They go back out again? <laughs> I don't understand how you make a sequel to Homeward Bound. Well, if you think that's confusing, Adam, the next one I was going to say is All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. That's insane. <laughs> Maybe there's an extra heaven they go to. Who knows? Do the dogs get reincarnated and then they get hit by a car again? Again. (laughs) Aladdin 3, The Crow 2, Mighty Ducks 3. I think that's it on the list. Did I miss any? Wow. Uh, Boy, that's rough. Yeah, uh, uh, Escape from L.A. There's there's a good Mm. sequel. Sure, I enjoy that one. I right. saw that in the theater. Did you guys? <laughs> did you really? I did. No, I was late no. to the Escape movies. I didn't see either Escape from New York or LA until I was well into my twenties. Tell you 30s. what's always a bad sign is uh, the movie. Th- my movie theater of choice, the one that I worked in for a time, and then often you know just went to see movies in, mm-hmm. uh, was I believe a nine house movie theater with uh, theater one, just the big one, the, yeah. the like the thousand seater and then all the rest of the houses are like three to 500 seat or whatever, like much smaller. When you, when I went to go see escape from LA, it was in theater one Mm. and there was like eight people in there. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Like when the expectation of your need as a movie theater is, is realized like that, that's a bad sign. That that's Uh wild because you know, there wasn't internet back then for people to just shit on the movie preemptively. Yeah. So the word of mouth about it must have been so bad or the previews just look so bad that it, yeah, it must have been urgent. People were like yeah. going out and telling people to not do this movie. <laughs> right. Look, I, know what, <laughs> I know I know we're talking about something else. <laughs> but seriously. You need to take this one to heart. <laughs> Do not go see Escape from L.A. Uh, John, did any of these other movies stick out to you as uh, 
as uh, some of your faves of the year? I would say Star Trek First Contact, and that's not just to kiss Adam's butt here. Oh, uh, yeah, they... you're, you're kissing my bread, man. <laughs> Get out of there. Stop 96 and man. Get out of that bread. 96 in my loaf. Uh, but I, it's, it's a movie I didn't watch for a long, long time. I was watching all the other Star Trek the next generation sequels way before I watched Star Trek first contact. And so when I first watched that one, I remember just being so surprised by how good it was compared to mm-hmm. the other sequels in my eyes. I, I really, really remember enjoying uh, the, what is it? The Zephram Cochran uh, role in discovering. Uh, oh yeah. You were very drawn to or... the drunk of the movie. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, the the crazy creative the one the one who took the credit from Lily even <laughs> though Lily is the hero of that movie yeah yeah is, is first contact a next generation motion picture star trek movie yeah okay got it yeah it's the one that came after generations the one that they shared with uh, the original series crew got it where they passed mm-hmm. the torch uh-huh got it which so. i believe to be an underrated movie i like that movie a lot that's the one with malcolm mcdowell right Sure is. Yeah, the ribbon. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart's permanent Christmas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the the, only the other... most boring, chaste version of heaven. Like, <laughs> yeah, actually, it, it, it asked more, it raised more questions than it answered, really, about <laughs> Captain Picard. <laughs> Is like, that where he's just he, like op- opening presents with like his niece and nephew or his His version nephews? of heaven is Leavenworth, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> just all Bavarian all the time. <laughs> all all Christmas store all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Kringle. Yeah. yeah. All, all right. right. So, well, uh, yeah, should we transition? Let's do it. Unless okay. yeah, anything else stood out to you? No. Do you have okay. enough for your open there? <laughs> That's a cold open. Now we roll we can, the because we can we can circle back. <laughs> I think we're good. I think I we, feel like I, I have an extra twenty on the glimmer man. I, 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 could, I could do a I could do a full episode on uh, on uh, the the quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, boy, that movie is shit. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah. he directed that one, I think. Right? I think that's the one he directed. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk Predator. Here we go. Predator minute ninety six opens with the Predator unplugging another hose from his helmet, and it ends with the Predator approaching an armed Dutch. Mm. So in minute ninety five, there was a hose that we missed in in minute ninety six, like 96. the hose Correct. disconnection. It, we're in we're in media hose race. The butt hose. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There were there are two hoses. All right. Well, that's what we talked about last minute. We speculated maybe he'll just spend the rest of the movie disconnecting hoses from his head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe one from his butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. They have the butt hose. The butt hose. You're going to have to bear with me. <laughs> there's, there's kind of a lot of gear on these field trips. <laughs> can, this one's. Can, can you. Hey, um, do you think you could hit this button right here? And... You know, I actually. I left an Allen wrench in the ship. I, I, just, just wait right here. Pred- Predator, I'm standing here waiting for you to take off your mask. What's taking you so long? We call, yeah, we still call it an Allen wrench. We don't call it like a, a Sinarca wrench or something like that. That's right. It's, it's the one thing. 
But uh, Jeff, you want to take us to the first uh, 35 seconds of the minute? Yes, we are going to break this minute up into two parts as we do. The first part will be about the first 35 seconds of the minute. We carry over from last minute. The Predator Mm -hmm. unhooks the second helmet hose, then detaches his shoulder cannon. He drops it to the ground, then unhooks more hoses from the base of his helmet, puts his hands on his mask, and begins to raise the helmet off of his head. We then cut to Predator Vision, and the normal thermal vision gives way to an all-red vision. We then cut to the Predator's helmet dropping into the shallow water next to the Predator's foot. Cut. It actually makes me great at developing film. Like, like when, when the light's all red. It's actually kind of a hobby of mine. Guys, don't touch those. Don't touch those. They're dry. I'm, I'm just going to I'm gonna hang the negatives off of this tree here along with the entrails of Billy. His other trophies are just pictures he took of the jungle. Right. <laughs> the real treasure were these pictures. And they're really good. They're, they're, they're very good. Yeah. Uh, it's my real passion. Like this hunting thing, it's fine. <laughs> So, uh, Adam, you are here for the moment of the film when the Predator reveals his true self. This is the Mm -hmm. first time we see him without his mask. I think we all remembered where we were when the helmet came off, right? Right. (laughs) Um, I mean, was it what you expected? I remember... Go ahead, John. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it, it is looking ahead just a, a scotch, but um, it, it is like way uglier than I thought it would be. It is like breathtakingly gross to look at. It feels like like this was trailblazing in 87, like because our our horror monsters are built for the dark. Mm-hmm. And... and while it is nighttime in this scene, the predator is very well lit and his skin pigmentation is very bright. So you really get a good look at him in a way that I don't feel like you get in a lot of, I'm like, I'm comparing this to horror films, but I think this is a very horror film moment. It's, it's terrifying. I I remember seeing this uh, when I was younger and the reveal here was I still find it to be surprising and like effective no matter how many times I've seen it. Um, the creature design is unbelievable. And yeah. especially in 1987, uh, I was blown away by what the predator ended up looking like here. And we talked about this last minute, John, like up until now, you'd still, it, it wasn't clear or not if the mask of the predator was actually the predator's face. Like they didn't right. really make that clear. Mm-hmm. So to it's get this fear hat on top of fear hat. Like, right. like <laughs> yeah. you're already afraid of just the mask and it's fine. Like that's sufficient. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like your, your comparison to, to kind of horror and, and particularly eighties horror. I think here is apt because it's reminds me of when it, we talked a little bit about this also last minute, John, but at the end of every Friday the 13th movie, there's always a, a short reveal where we get to see Jason's face for just a moment. Mm-hmm. And but it was always really fast, um, and he's always sloth from Goonies. Always, <laughs> always. But here we get a very uh, close-up, steady shot. The camera doesn't 
cut away, we, we are just left to breathe it all in. And, uh, it, I, I remember it being extremely effective when I was, you know, eight years old. See. The detail that always that stuck out to me then and sticks out to me now is it looks a a reveal like this looks puppety if it's symmetrical, but the asymmetry of of the mouth here is what makes it look real. It really sells the bioreality of what we're seeing. Like it's not perfect in a yeah, way it, that I really appreciate. Yeah, it looks like something that was, you know, born and raised and, you know, who may, maybe hatched and raised. But As yeah. hobbies and interests. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a whole person, guys. I'm right here. <laughs> I was only supposed to take pictures. <laughs> but it, t- it took a team of, John McTiernan says, eight to ten technicians operating like little remote control devices or giant remote control devices to make the face work, to articulate the mandibles and the eyebrows and uh, the rest of the facial features. I, I, I love that little detail. Just just Ralph over there, just more mandible, more mandible, less mandible, less mandible. <laughs> you could probably guess that his foreskin is fucking crazy, right? <laughs> Based on what we're seeing with the Good face. God. Do you think it spreads out like a flying squirrel? Like it oh, just Jesus. stretches out wide? Like Literally everything is on the table. <laughs> You can't rule anything out about the predator's crank. <laughs> I bet his his foreskin is also asymmetrical. Oh, yeah. It has has mandibles. Is that it what you're saying? Gross. <laughs> well, the mandibles, of course, we've talked about it before. The mandibles were James Cameron's idea, yeah. uh, telling. Stan Winston on a plane ride to LA as Stan Winston is sketching designs in his notebook. Yeah, uh, Cameron's Cameron. like, uh, add, add labia with fangs coming out. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good idea. I love women. <laughs> exactly. Strong women. Stan Winston's like, what the f- I didn't even ask you for ideas, man. What are you talking about? Also, you're not sitting next to me in my same row on this airplane. Why are you moving seats just telling people about labia? <laughs> just tell people to draw labia. <laughs> Maybe no, someone no, that's, will do it. That's pre-9-11. You could never get away with that these days. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's why Cameron flies private. <laughs> oh. oh, he's always coming with the asymmetrical labia. Yeah. Oh, Cameron. <laughs> uh, um, so... <laughs> what were we talking about again? I think we were talking about the predator's face. We were, kinda... we were talking about his his face and his genitals. <laughs> right. In that order. In that order, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I didn't have a lot for this first part where he's just taking off the helmet. Um, but yeah, we kind of slid into the second part here where we get the face reveal, but that, I think yeah, I could have just, I could have put the face reveal there in the first part. It makes more sense to me to put that there, but whatever. It's a uh, YOLO. So <laughs> I, I, I did not have a lot to, to say other than let's see the, the helmet slamming down into the water really reminded me of when Kylo Ren and the force awakens takes off his helmet and like slams it down in like a sand table kind of deal. Mm. It, it just slams down and just sticks. It doesn't like bounce awkwardly and, you know, lose some of the seriousness. It just 
lands where it lands and sticks there, uh, much like the Predator's mask. I think we can infer a lot from that moment though, right? Because anyone who's been to a beach will tell you that like, if you get your gear, Sandy, you don't intend to put it back on, right? Like you don't just drop a wetsuit into the sand thinking that you're going to get back into it and then go snorkeling again. Right. I think this is a guy who does not plan to fire his weapon anymore, nor does he plan on sticking his mask back on because once sand gets in there, it's going to be very uncomfortable. Well, in this case, it's swamp water. You don't want to put a bunch of swamp water back on. I mean, that's right. oh, that's so nasty. Yeah, yeah. that's no, he's, super gross. He's discarded it. I mean, this is it, this is kind of like the the end of Lethal Weapon when when they decide to throw their weapons down and he just fights Gary Busey in the lawn in the sprinkler, right? Like that's what's happening here. The predator's just throwing down his weapons and said, "Let's go mano a mano." At right. what point do you feel like Dutch? So much of Dutch toward the end of this movie is like nothing to lose, kind of feeling dead already, emboldened to try new things because what the fuck? Like Mm. everyone's dead and he's the last man standing. Do you, this might actually happen in the next few minutes though, but like when do you feel like he feels safe? Is he never going to feel safe until the predator's dead? Or do you think this is the beginning of that feeling? Uh, I think... If he was still holding on to any kind of semblance of hope of leaving this alive, that he would have just been running again. A couple minutes ago, he was still running, and he ends up uh, falling in the water really awkwardly when the predator blows off a branch that he's trying to jump on. Right. And then by by the end of that minute, he's stuck to the branch or stuck to the log by the predator, and he just doesn't have more any more energy to give. He just doesn't have anything any fight really left in him um we'll see that change a little tiny bit at the end here but he is right resigned to at least just fight and that's i think all he has the the will to do there's a cool kind of sense of wonder to dutch here too like Mm -hmm. the film really does give you a minute to catch your breath in this moment and to experience the moment with him with dutch in a way that i think is really cool like the the will to survive is given a little bit of a break. There is a moment of wonder where Dutch is is taking in this crazy visual, wondering what the predator's dick looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. I like that it's not just uh, ground and pound for ten minutes until the predator's dead. Like mm-hmm. you are you are given a moment of pause. And I think most action movies and fight movies give you this this moment to kind of catch your breath. Yeah. At the same time, I would say on your note about characters taking in a wonder or some kind of spectacle, I feel like that hardly ever happens in maybe other genre movies where they're being Mm -hmm. chased, especially if they're being chased and the action just keeps propelling the characters forward. There's never the time where the characters just like stop and just say, well, like look at this amazing place or like running through or like let's discuss uh, just the, the, crazy ugly of this creature that's that's chasing us it's just like survive 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 and we're we're appreciating it but the characters definitely aren't so this is yeah cool moment all right well uh, i've over the last few nights i have watched the first two bill and ted movies oh and i don't know when the last time you guys have watched those films was uh either of you it's been a long time for me yeah but jeff you just I yeah, just watched the third, third one. one. Yeah. Uh I'm going to like 
pivot into into sort of like serious film crit for a moment mm. in that there are two instances in either movie where uh where a word we don't use anymore is used ah yeah to uh disparage another character and it made me think about all the movies from the 80s that managed to dodge that instinct in a way that instead gave us a timeless moment like what we get here when when dutch calls the predator an ugly motherfucker mm-hmm. i wonder what else was on the whiteboard here that would have been awful and bad that would have made it so that we couldn't ever mm-hmm. love this movie the way we do mm-hmm. and uh, i'm really glad that they chose this because this is this is a timeless moment and a great line yeah we had this conversation way back <laughs> in the That's helicopter. Right, because, team. Uh, Jesse because Jesse Ventura uses that word too, right? He does, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's very flippant, and it's not in any scene that's really of much consequence. So, but it's always such a bummer to yeah. to go back in time and watch a movie and get like the 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 bucket of cold water of that. Yeah, we we had mm-hmm. a conversation. Where we talked about all these we were, we were trying to kind of list off other movies from that era that that did the same thing i i believe the same thing happens in teen wolf mm-hmm. um and there's you know a handful of other 80s comedies especially just throw those words around yeah um yeah but it's you're right it's really a blessing that they did not do that here so we can really enjoy this i mean motherfucker is going to be cool forever right yeah, that, that that word's never going to die yeah. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. Jeez. I mean, as soon as it stops being cool to fuck mothers, then it's it's over. Oh, knock but on let's wood. Just, let's just enjoy it while it's here. <laughs> well, I mean, motherfucker is, cool. is is like the greatest word like for rap songs ever, right? It just yeah. mm-hmm. it, it it rhymes with itself, it rhymes with everything. Like yeah. every rap song is better with a color a couple motherfuckers in it. Mm-hmm. Feels great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> feels feels great. Feels good. <laughs> should we uh, should we just kind of summarize the second part of the minute here, Jeff? Yeah. So let's uh, zoom into the second part. We already talked about the face reveal here a little bit, but we see his face for the first time, looking like a, as you call it, a dreadlocked bulldog with a clicking mandible jaw. It's gross. It's angry. We cut back to Dutch's face, and we get the great line from Dutch: "You're one ugly motherfucker." Cut back to Predator's face. He begins to scream, which opens up his mandible jaw. We cut to a wider shot of the Predator screaming, arms open wide and crouching. The Predator then begins to crouch slash walk towards Dutch. We cut to the all-red Predator vision. Dutch's form is showing in all-red. Then we cut to the oncoming Predator. Dutch grabs a nearby slog, that would be a stick (laughs) log, rears back in a classic baseball batter stance. And that concludes our minute. So we have a showdown coming here. The predator has revealed to us his mandibles the way a peacock might throw mm. out their plumage. Right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that means and, predator's and ready to fuck. He's, he's ready. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, Arnold. <laughs> please, please kill me. Kill me now. <laughs> I, I, I do love that the predator here throws off the mask, getting rid of his his vision. So he's 
He's not blind, but he's going into this at a distinct disadvantage visually with this all red glossed over vision that he's going to have. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like Dutch just put the mud back on all of a sudden. It's like right. I'm going to make this really hard for myself. And I I love the effect of him crouching to kind of be lower because it also puts this effect of the predator maybe not being able to see as well. It's exactly what you do. I I'm a glasses wearer, contact lens wearer, and when I don't have them in, I'm trying to see something. I have to like you get hit with logs all the time as soon as you get <laughs> on top, right? <laughs> Just slogs flying at you left and right. You got to keep your glasses on, John. <laughs> oh, I know. Exactly. It's just that awkward like moment or two when you don't have the, the glasses on. You're just like leaning forward trying to... Just a log magnet. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, though. Kevin Peter Hall here in the Predator costume does a really good job with some creature acting here, kind of with this mm-hmm. crouch and this walk with the arms wide, like he's making himself big, like a, like an animal in the wild. You um, know what it looks like? It looks like he's trying to scare a bear. Right. Like, like yeah. that is yeah. a, that's a physicality that, that you've heard about. Like, like in order to scare a predator that is stronger than you are, that's the move you make. So that's right. a respect move, right? Oh yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe it's a nice little, move to yeah intimidate just mm-hmm. because clearly like other things haven't worked that well with with arnold he's he's still, still uh, alive and kicking yeah yeah hmm. um did yeah. you guys see the the list of uh tv trope i made where it, um the tv trope is called evil makes you ugly where they make it really obvious who the bad guy is by making them super duper ugly in a movie yeah that's a good list the skexies in the dark crystal that's a good one yeah evil Evil. Yep. Of course, Freddy Krueger. Of course, Jason. Evil. I also love how how Jason's disgusting face just gets more and more disgusting every mm-hmm. movie that goes by. Yeah. Yeah. The Terminator robot. It's good. Um, terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You got some good ones there. Oh, you got lots more. There's a second page. Shit. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about that makes the Terminator robot with that metallic skeleton they have looks, you know, a lot like a shiny human skeleton. It makes me think of Jason and the Argonauts. If that's the movie I'm thinking of with uh, Harryhausen doing the skeleton work and making the, the skeletons just look evil and angry as they're attacking mm. the people in stop motion mm-hmm. animation. Mm-hmm. I see evil. you got They Live on here, which is a great example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talked about that last minute, how uh, when the Predator's looking at Arnold's face, it definitely reminded me of the look of the They Live Aliens, which comes out a year later. Uh, Just that kind of uh, over-dramatized musculature of of a human skull. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So let's see here. Do we have other things to add for this section, John? It looks like you got some facts from Xenopedia. Did you want to run through some of these? Oh yeah, it's been a while since we run a while a since while. Uh, <laughs> we referenced the old uh, Predator Alien Encyclopedia Online Xenopedia. Uh, but this goes back to what I was saying that John McTiernan talks about in the commentary, saying that it took nine servo motors. Uh, to enable the motion of the brow area and the mandibles on the mm. predator's face, as well as a cheek squint. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm liking that. So if you're seeing the cheeks squint, that's, uh, that's another guy on the radio controls, another 
I think do. we all know how difficult it is to do the cheek squint, even when we have all of our servo motors working. Right. Am I right, guys? Yeah, I'm trying to do it right yeah. now. It's like a half of half of a wink almost. Yeah. There's tough. there's no what's the effect? I don't know what the desired effect of a cheek squint is other than just to say, I'm alive. Hmm. And maybe maybe twitching a little bit. <laughs> Call the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, let's see. Anything else that you guys uh, notice from this second part of the minute or the first I th- part? I think we did a pretty good job breaking this down. I think I'm mm-hmm. good. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Adam? One Adam. thing this scene made me think about was how tropey it might have been, and it still is, for like the heavy with all of its advantages mm. to choose to relinquish those advantages and fight uh, yeah. more or less like on even ground. Right. I feel like this is a quality to a lot of movies, not necessarily action movies or science fiction movies where I, th- I think you could read it as like respect, like a, like a gamesmanship kind of respect but also, I can't think of an instance where the heavy has made that decision and had won in the end. Like it always, it always backfires, right? <laughs> right, always, it always does. You're right. Yeah. It seems it's interesting how we're hypnotized into the feeling of like, oh yeah, this is better. Now they're even. <laughs> but but the but the person with the advantage always loses. Mm-hmm. Always, yeah. It. You, you got to wonder if the predator has ever lost ever. Yeah. You know, like he, he's fueled by arrogance here, I think. And um, I don't think there's probably ever been a human or maybe another creature on any other planet where he's gone hunting that he wasn't able to best. You, so. you know, who is all of a sudden reminding me of now is uh, gosh, what is his name? The bad guy in commando when he's like, Oh Yeah. I'm not. I don't need this gun, John. I'm gonna whatever. Right, exactly. The guy. The guy who gets the pipe through his chest. Yeah. Yeah. Let off some some steam, steam, Bennett. Let off some steam, Bennett. (laughs) Bennett, of course, that's his name. He just is so mad at Arnold at the end of the movie. He is going berserker and tossing down his gun, tossing down his like you're saying, Adam. The the advantage that he had. One of the great. like super mismatched fights at the end of any <laughs> action movie. Bennett is just a tubby pile of shit compared to Arnold in that movie. And they wearing set- a, a chainmail sweater. Yeah. Oh good God. Yeah. And they set that up to be this huge like yeah. mono imano fight and Arnold would just pound him into the floor. <laughs> well he sticks but, him to the wall, yeah. Right. Yeah. But that moment when when he lays the gun down, like it's it's in a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It works most of the time too. It works here. <laughs> yeah. I like how uh, Arnold kind of subverts that a little bit by immediately reaching for a log. Right. And <laughs> he's like, well, you're, you're dropping your weapons. I'll, I'm just going to pick one up. It's like, you don't, you don't usually see the hero do that in a uh, down to knuckle to knuckle fight. Usually it's yeah, just knuckle to knuckle and not picking up something extra right away. Right. Right. Well, guys, I think we've done it. Pretty good job breaking that one down. Should we get into weekly recommends, John? 
Uh, yeah, let's do it. So every week we recommend different things to the audience, and that can be a wide range of things. It could be uh, a podcast or a movie or a show or a head in the bread kind of deal. <laughs> it could be, yeah, just anything that comes to mind that you want to let the listeners know about. So, Adam, you're our guest this week. What do you have to recommend for the listeners? Uh, I would say, uh, first and foremost, like more than anything, register to vote. Get yourself mm. ready to vote. Good call. Uh, but after that, after you've done that, uh, my wife and I saw a really interesting documentary that I did not expect her to like, but that we both liked quite a bit. It's called Inmate Number One, The Rise of Danny Trejo. It's a 2019 documentary mm. uh, about Danny Trejo. And I expected it to be like a a kind of saccharine like, like guy who was in jail turned his life around and now he's like he's an inspiring figure and there is a great deal of that in this documentary but I think the the charisma of Danny Trejo and the inspiration of him is so strong that it really superseded any of like the uh any of the stuff that I think a cynic would tend to reject. I think mm. uh, I think this movie beat me in in the best possible way, as as a cynic from way back, an unbeatable cynic really mm. is what I consider myself. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit, and I've, I've been a fan of Danny Trejo forever, as I'm sure you guys have been sure. too. And it was mm-hmm. just really great to get a real deep dive into his life and. I know, I don't know how much you know about it, but um, I mean, I knew, I thought I knew a lot, but I learned quite a bit about him uh, throughout this documentary and it's just really good. It's a, uh, it really clips along. I think it's just 90 minutes, uh, really worth watching. So inmate number one, the rise of Danny Trejo is, nice. uh, is my rec. Now, is or, that streaming somewhere or did you have to uh, rent it on VOD or something? It looks like it's on Prime. Uh, I know it's on... It's on iTunes movies, Apple movies. Uh, it's I think it's in most places where you can stream movies. Great. Hmm. I'm going to put that on the list. Awesome. Yeah. Were there uh, any specific factoids that stood out to you while watching that won't spoil anything? Um, I think it is. I think it's easy to consider Danny Trejo as like a solitary figure with his own motivations in getting himself out of his terrible circumstances and like rising above and becoming successful but what i didn't know about him what i really enjoyed learning was uh was about his family and his very close friends that uh that almost dragged him under and that he still stayed in touch with and you know how close he is to uh to the city where he came from uh out in out in east los angeles it's Hmm. uh uh, a lot of detail here shading a very interesting character. Ah, okay. Cool. And it's also like a really beautiful documentary. It's it's one of those new breed documentaries that really like was was composed beautifully. It's very it's very nice to look at. Like it's technically it is as good as documentaries get. Nice. Cool. Inmate number one. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Jeff, what about you? What are you recommending this week? Well, interestingly enough, I'm also going to recommend a documentary, but this is a documentary series that I watched on HBO. 
Um, it's a six-part series. It's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. And mm. it's, it's based on the best-selling true crime novel of the same title. And this was uh, written by Michelle McNamara, who was married to Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. And mm. she died a tragic death uh, several years ago before her book was even published. And uh, Patton Oswalt and her family worked uh, very hard to put the pieces of her book together and get it published. And um, it's an amazing book. And they turned it into a six-part miniseries. It uh, details her quest to solve the, the case of the East Area Rapist who raped and murdered like over 50 people throughout the 70s and 80s. Um, and the crimes are horrific and are also so simple that it just felt like this guy should have been caught so many times but never was. Um, and she kind of became obsessed with solving this case. And so the documentary series kind of goes through her journey uh, in getting interested in it and then getting obsessed with it and then eventually being pretty... Um, being a part of the solution, being, being a part of uh, how they eventually solve the crime. So um, check out I'll Be Gone in the Dark on HBO or HBO Max. Hmm, Max. Max. <laughs> so did I, I, I don't remember if you said it or not, but did you read uh, her book too? I actually have not read the book. Um, hmm. I've only seen the, the series. Yeah. I've really been wanting to see that for a while. How graphic is it in its depiction of the crimes because it, that has been so far a deterrent yeah i mean my my wife is very sensitive to those things mine uh, too and that's why we haven't watched it yeah mm-hmm. but she also loves true crime documentaries mm-hmm. um so she she's very sensitive and she watched the whole thing with me um there are moments uh, the the harder moments are when they interview the victims and the victims like detail mm-hmm. what happened um and that is very affecting and and obviously extremely sad and and uh but it's also just an amazingly well put together documentary that there are so many other compelling and interesting parts like it's a mystery right it's a, it's a detective story and there's most of it is that um, and so the the parts that are triggering you know I was fine I, I was worried about my wife a little bit but she seemed fine um, and we watched the whole thing so I, I would say check it out and you know if you come across something that uh, is unpleasant and you don't want to continue then stop there but um, I, I'd say it's worth trying Ooh. Yeah, heavy. Good <laughs> yeah, it's huh. a heavy. It's a heavy doc, but man, it is good. It's really good. How does it stack up against like the other uh, true crime docs of of the last few years? Like, uh, there have been so many good ones. Like, it, does it belong in that pantheon? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. and especially wow. in its construction, like the way the story unfolds, and you know. Um, Michelle McNamara is deceased, obviously, but they use a whole bunch of footage, interviews with her, radio wow. interviews, podcast interviews that she did to like sort of reconstruct. You almost feel like she's a character in the documentary. They do such a good job of like weaving her throughout. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's really cool, and it's a good, it's an awesome tribute to the work she did on this case. So, um, hmm. yeah, highly recommend. 
Uh, well, I'm not a huge true crime fan, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's weirdly enough, I do like uh, the more gritty of the procedurals where the uh, detective is trying to track down killers uh, and the like. So um, my recommend was going to be Luther with Idris Elba. I don't know if you've seen that one. But, is, that, um, is that the, yeah, the one like on that Netflix? It, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but the season five just popped up on Amazon Prime, and I just started watching that. Uh, and it's just still as like gritty and tense as ever. Usually, each episode opens with some kind of just <laughs> horrific, grisly thing happening to somebody, uh, and then Luther just angrily trying to track down the criminal. And, and that's something I appreciate about a show like this. Is like a lot of times the procedurals. I don't know, I guess maybe it goes back to the 80s roots of action movies and stuff. Like, procedurals uh, over time, like in the 2000s, um, they've really become, like, bogged down in, like, the minutia and, like, the team working together, whereas Luther tends to be more, like again, like the 80s callback of just this angry man wanting to, to take everything on himself and want to just deliver justice uh, <laughs> on his own. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's, it's a solid show. It's uh, a British series so um, each season is quite short like three or four episodes and really spaced out I think the last season was 2015 and the fifth season just came out in 2019 wow yeah I remember seeing it back in 2015 and really liking it yeah so yeah strong recommend for that nice Uh, I've not seen the show I'll have to check it out anything with Idris Elba is is great seriously really can't lose with him yeah. Hey, speaking of can't lose, uh, Adam, where can people find you? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great segue. For running. I've been working on my segues for the last few weeks. <laughs> wow, you, you've been doing this a while, huh? Episode 96. <laughs> Good job. Uh, people, people can find me on the, uh, the internet swamp of Twitter <laughs> at, at Cut for Time. It's my handle over there. I recommend, uh, I'm not on Facebook and I recommend, uh, everyone else leaves Facebook <laughs> also. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason for you to be there. Mm-hmm. Leave Facebook. That's my advice. Uh, I have three podcasts. I have the hit war movie podcast, friendly fire. Uh, I have the new star Trek podcast. There's a lot of new star Trek on CBS all access, mm. uh, our show for all of those shows that's star trek discovery that's lower decks that's star trek picard uh you can find me talking about those shows with my co-host benjamin r harrison on the greatest discovery and then we also have a mainline star trek podcast where we're watching uh, star trek in sequence beginning with star trek the next generation uh, our first love of podcasting the -hmm. greatest generation Mm -hmm. the uh the big one the the granddaddy of them all the one that the one that started my podcast lifestyle is the greatest generation uh i'll always love it for that keep reason. going keep going so Do on the great on greatest and you guys have covered all of the next generation that's right you've covered and all we're of deep almost space done nine? with deep space nine we're we're almost halfway through the last season of deep space nine Ooh we are you, are you going to continue on with the original series? The question the question that we've heard is what are we going to do after Deep Space 9? Mm, yeah. That we hear that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the I believe the inclination is to uh do the Voyager series and uh, then the 
and then the Enterprise series, and then maybe circle back to the original series. But, gotcha. Uh, but we haven't made any commitments yet. We have plenty of time. Just yeah. like have, John uh, and I in and our Predator left. series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, I. I recommend. Look, you guys. Uh, if if the teaching doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Maybe you guys go go pro podcast. hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? Pro podcaster, pro yeah. podcaster. So would I, Jeff still be required to do nothing? See, Absolutely. that's the tough part. <laughs> I think I think you'd have to put him on a program. <laughs> you'd have to pip him. I have to move on. You'd have to like boxes. put him on an improvement plan. <laughs> Get him, get him shaped up and flying right. All right, then, we'll do, uh, we'll do a montage. So you, have an, so you have an equal partnership. There we go. Oh, you know what man. you get? You, guys, you get really Jeff like Glover walking down the stairs, uh, <laughs> looking as beautiful as he ever has, ready to get on mic. <laughs> While sixpence none the richer plays. <laughs> the transformation having been complete. He just put on pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds Double about, take? That's about right. Yep. <laughs> and then you're ready for your next show. All right. <laughs> that's what I'd recommend. John, wow. where can we find all things Predator Minute? Oh, we didn't talk about where we can find you, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm there. Carl <laughs> underscore Hungus 314. My name is Carl been expert. Now, where is Predator Minute? Hey, uh, speaking of Predator Minute on Twitter, you can find us at Predator Minute. You can email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com, or you can join the <laughs> the Facebook group, sorry, Adam, called the <laughs> Predator Minute Listeners Palapa. Oh, Target's no. the center of the Palapa. Target's the center of the Palapa. Yep. I wait, see wait. what I did there. I, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> no, wait, here's the thing. I haven't made a mistake. I think I think your listeners should move the Palapa off of Facebook. Get a get a website. Get a real website. Then it, then then you're not on Facebook anymore. You're not feeding that dumb awful beast. Mm. You're off on your own. We could get a subreddit and people could post uh, pics of their dick. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Reddit. Not as bad as Facebook. TM. (laughs) What's the downside? I don't. Yeah. (laughs) All the dick pics you can snap. Somehow they're racist too. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Look, it's a little bit of a trade off, but I think the trade works. (laughs) I think it's a trade up, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think we've done it. We've done it. Whatever, however you say that. Uh, But we've talked. Predator Minute 96. Adam, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks a lot, Adam. I I love your show, and I love being on it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. 96. So for all things Predator Minute 96, 96. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. That's you, Adam. And I'm Adam Pranica. (laughs) (laughs) The guest. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time... Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. I'm just here to take pictures. <laughs> you one ugly motherfucker.
that was back when I could sneak a movie like Predator into the mainline right. episodes. <laughs> now it's it's not very permissive. Now the, all those edge cases are going into the pork chop feed. Yeah, I looked Just back at when I was scrolling through to find it. I I zoomed past RoboCop and I was like, oh yeah, fuck, they did RoboCop. That was another one you really kind of shoot. We did in RoboCop. There. We did we did Conan the Barbarian. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that qualifies, maybe. It absolutely does. <laughs> I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, it's the war against snakes. <laughs> <laughs> war against a weird soup made out of hands. Oh, yeah. Mm. You remember hand soup? <laughs> God, I have not seen Conan in so long. Boy. Here's what I'd recommend. Mm-hmm. Watch that movie as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That movie fucking slaps. Yeah. And the, and the score is incredible. That Basil Polidorus score is like nothing else. I, it I is honestly like, probably haven't seen it in 30 years. It is like auditory masculinity. It's like steroids oh. being injected into your nuts. It, like that, <laughs> that score is incredible. I am here for it. I'm going to do it. You just got me all jacked and put it on the tube and really crank hard, it up. Actually, crank it know. up or or put it or watch it wearing headphones. Crank, crank it out. Is that what you said? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Take out your log. <laughs> Slap the mud off of it. You know, set up a couple of moving boxes around so you're not. I don't, surprised. I don't need to. They're already here. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, then, then shoot it into some cardboard, man. Oh, man. Jeez. This, <laughs> this is get, the most get, immersive movie watching experience. Get Carol to imagine. hold your calls. Yeah. <laughs> Carol. Oh. Hold my calls. What, and what, my do you, what do you write on that box? You just kid stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. G- storage. towels. <laughs> really stiff towels. <laughs> Broken towels. Towels for donation. <laughs> This is all in the show, right? (laughs) What's that line in Bridesmaids when she's like, I can, I I cracked a sheet or something? Well, uh, it's it's in the outtakes, I guess. <clears throat> but oh, if you yeah, guys, this is our, this is our post credits <laughs> reel where you see uh, us turn to camera, like right. great big smile, and then uh, and then love says something totally inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> about shooting into a box full of towels, <laughs> and we all laugh, freeze frame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all high five left handed. I love it. Have you guys thought about how you're going to end the show? <clears throat> Uh, do you take it on through to the credits? What happens at the very, very end? I think the the correct me if I'm wrong, John, but the the movie by minutes tradition seems to be to treat the end credits as a single episode. Is that right? Ah, oh. it it's really up to the uh, what's the word prerogative of the podcasters. So you yeah. could talk about every single minute, and this does not have that many minutes of credits actually, yeah. which is nice. Uh, or you could just do it all in one lump sum. Yeah. We've wow. Also so it sounds about, like you guys need to 
to figure that out. You're coming up on it. Yeah, people keep asking us questions about this kind of stuff. And yeah, quite frankly, I, I just don't think about it until we're does about your, to do it. Does your credits guest take that as an insult? Like the one you have booked for that show? <laughs> like, really great to be on the show finally, guys. Uh, associate producer. <laughs> Whoa, look at that key grip. Yeah. All right. Gaffer. <laughs> We, we have talked about uh, at the very end of the project doing like one more bonus episode where we do a, a commentary for Predator 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, so that's a fun one. Are you going to keep podcasting? Are you going to do another show after? I think I speak for the people when I ask, <laughs> what's next? We, mm. we don't know. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. Again, Are you guys getting him, along? Has this been difficult for your friendship? <laughs> Here's here's the deal. Uh, in all seriousness, here's the deal. Here's the deal. John literally does everything. Like, yeah, this it, was. It, I this, can tell. Yeah, right. <laughs> this was John's baby. Like John invited me on. He does all the research. He does. I'm looking at John's feed compared to your feed, and all I see is boxes in your camera. And then in, in Zabriskie's feed, I see like a nice studio space with acoustic paneling and someone who really, like, the evidence is that he takes it seriously. Now, now you get it. Now you see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, he does all the editing, he does all the social media work, he does all the publishing. Uh, John, you really do everything. So, like, Thank you. I, I, yeah, so it's really I, about whether or not he wants you back versus whether or not you want to do it. Seriously, like uh, it's it's really like he takes the brunt of all the work. So you know, like, he's always uh, been a fucking tryhard. <laughs> tell you that much. <laughs> but I I think at the very least, probably John will take a little break before. Yeah, might we'll, we'll be good for the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see other podcasts. And I don't know. I yeah. mean, uh, speak for yourself. I don't. I don't know if I have another movies by minutes in me. This was a cool project, but boy, it's wow, a, it's quite. A, it's. I'm it's shocked a, by that. I. I look. If it's not a movies by minute thing, I hope you guys keep doing podcasts. Oh, I, I think, think you guys so, are really good at it. I. Oh, I like hearing you. your programming. I Thanks. definitely enjoy the medium. Like I enjoy doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I I think maybe in the future I'd like to do something with that had a little more uh, variety in the, yeah. <laughs> in, the art, mm. in our content perhaps. As uh, I, as a longtime Star that. Trek podcaster, I <laughs> feel that <laughs> deeply. You see, that's oh, why man. Friendly Fire must be a nice. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but has it kind of been a nice? breath of fresh air for you it's to, a great outlet it absolutely is yeah mm-hmm. i mean because you get i know they're all war movies but they're all you know they can they can be very very different films obviously from movie to movie so it must be nice to watch something kind of brand new every time it's nice to uh with friendly fire like you let the movie do a lot of the work mm-hmm. or you can let the movie do a lot of the work like the movie steers the conversation the movie mm-hmm. makes the case for itself but when you're in uh when you're in episode 280 of yeah. your second Star Trek series, oh. I, th- that pressure's on you as a host to mm-hmm. to bring a fresh perspective to what you're watching, uh, whether it's serialized or not. Uh, that's a, that's been a challenge. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, uh, as we hit the 90s and into the 90 minutes, we realized this gave us an opportunity to, at the beginning of every show, talk <laughs> about pop culture that mm-hmm. was happening in that particular year in the 90s. And uh, it's been a nice way to like change things up and give us something to talk about for the first 15 minutes or so of the show. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like free form, you're open a little bit, like the way we have for the last 13 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Did you uh, get uh, John's Google Doc here with the the notes in it? Oh yeah, I've got okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah, because he got he's got all those pop culture things at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually something I'm uh, having a lot of enjoyment putting together. Sometimes more than the minute descriptions, where I'm <laughs> like, oh, now I've I, I, I was having a good time, you know, flashing back to the '90s and like the music and the movies and the video oh. games. Yeah, it's fun. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a, a tangent we can talk about. Possibly taking that, maybe like a focus on something from like a specific year, and then talk about the year. Some that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. What if your entire show was your open? My God, yeah. mm. we'd be done by now. So, <laughs> Adam, it's been great. Uh, what a dream. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what's cool about it is that yeah, we have the total ownership over whatever we put out here. So. Yeah. 